Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project, and I'll be your host. I'm joined by my co-founder and partner in crime, Janet Gunter. Hi. In this episode, we'll talk about our work and its policy implications. As this past week, we've held uh, an event in Parliament here in London, and I've travelled to Brussels to learn more about the policy conversations that are happening there around products and their durability. And we're also joined in uh, on the phone uh, by Eva van Velzen from Network Bewust Verbruiken in Brussels. Hi, Eva. Hi. Great to have you with us. Good afternoon. Thank you. So, uh, Eva, we finally met uh, last week in Brussels and uh, we thought that it would be great to talk to you on the show about the involvement of you and your organization in the conversations around repair in the Flemish region uh, of Belgium. And uh, first of all, Network Bewust Verbruiken, apologies for my not ideal Dutch pronunciation. (laughs) It sounds great. (laughs) It's, if I understand correctly, is a network for sustainable consumption. Is that correct? It is. Um, We're a small organization. um, And um, within that organization, we have uh, um, some 40 members that work uh, around the whole idea of... of, um, of activating and motivating people to make more sustainable uh, choices in their life. Um, and uh, we basically share um, ideas, give tips on how, through campaigning, how, uh, how people can simplify their life, how people can set up um, uh, initiatives um, in their own neighborhood um, in, in that way, um, how, um, yeah, the, the whole idea of, of consuming less rather than consume more. And is this a topic that uh, raises a lot of attention in, in, in that part of the country or across the whole of Belgium? It does. It's, I mean, I think as same as in the UK, um, here in Belgium I'm, and the whole of Europe, we're, everyone's looking at uh, how to simplify or to minimalize uh, how to get rid of stuff in, instead of buying more stuff. I mean, um, we're looking at a world where um, all the uh, resources are ending uh, at some point. So uh, definitely this is a topic that uh, I think it's, it's yeah, uh, there. And uh, it, I hope it's not going to, uh, going away anywhere soon. So as part of your involvement um, with, with this conversation, um, the network has also been uh, running supporting groups running uh, repair activities in in the region correct yeah we did yeah absolutely um we started some four years ago i think already with um um helping people in in a particular part in flanders to to uh, set up their own repair cafes um and this um started as a as a very small project but um was picked up by a lot of other people in the, in the rest of the region 
Um, and um, last year, I think we counted more than 150 repair cafes in uh, in Flanders. So it's um, this is something that um, uh, was picked up by by the public, by the media, by um, politicians in a in a, um, a very quick and easy way uh, because it's 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 something that um, repair um, it is it's a topic that maybe it's not new because I mean we've done it through um, many centuries. I mean it's uh, it's uh, I think a, a part of uh, second nature of people. At the same time, it's something that in in the current society is is uh, very little uh, where there's very little focus on. Um, and through these repair cafes that we help to set up, uh, people, certain people that have the skills and knowledge how to repair stuff, um, they were given also a purpose, um, and um, they were able to be, yeah, to share their skills and help other people. Um, so, um, the the repair cafe um, idea is something that we feel very close to here at uh, the Restart Project in London because we've originally learned about um, the Repair Cafe Foundation approximately four and a half years ago um, when we were setting up uh, Restart. And so, can you tell us a bit more about what is a repair cafe and how you got involved in this? Um, a re- Repair Cafe is a, is a small or a very local uh, event, so to say, um, where people can, people, volunteers are there to, um, with different skills uh, in small electronics, in uh, repairing clothes, in maybe uh, repairing or um, small furnitures. Um, their volunteers are there in order to help people to fix stuff that they have that are valuable for them um, that they don't want to throw away. Um, and instead of um, buying something new or paying a lot of um, money to repair that certain uh, item they have, they come to a repair cafe where they together with the fixers look at what is the actual problem um, of yeah the what has to be done in order to, to fix it. And uh, in in that process, they look at it together. Maybe the fixer can can teach the um, um, the visitor something about the product about the item. And um, in many cases, um, the majority of the cases, uh, the person goes home with something that is fixed. So it's a it's a social event. At the same time, it's also a very positive and local event where um, you see people from. The neighborhood coming together, uh, getting to know each other, um, and uh, in a very um, open and um, um, sociable and easy way, um, uh, talk about what they have for uh, as as their item, and and someone who is a, a volunteer can can actually help. Um, it's, it seems like they spread really, really quickly um, in Belgium. When we, I mean, there are quite a few events like this around the UK now. Um, uh, when we tend to get a lot of requests from people to know where the nearest repair event in their area is, um, and I guess what's interesting to me is um, Eva is how do do you serve as kind of um, in a sense like. Um, 
a, a networking hub, a way in which people can get information about how to get involved locally near them? Because we don't currently have anything quite like that in the UK. Um, it's hard for people to know where to find their local community repair event here. We had a, um, this is exactly what happened. We had, um, uh, the, well, the luck of, of receiving some funding from a, from the uh, Flemish government uh, so that we could maintain a website uh, where um, all the repair points were um, located on a, on a map. We um, um, adapted a, a kind of um, um, a briefing for people how, with, with really tips and tricks, how can you set up a repair cafe. Um, that briefing also in, um, included um, uh, a fish, oh, it's a brochure uh, with all kinds of uh, uh, campaigning material um, ideas on how to um, attract people, um, a, a special logo. So it's it's something that uh, went broad very quickly, also because it had some kind of a, a name where people could just hook uh, on to. Um, and um, and they the we had an agenda on the website where uh, everyone every next repair cafe was um, um, uh, was put in so people could actually find the next repair cafe in the region and uh, through the internet. Another thing I'm quite curious to ask you uh, as somebody who helps with this uh, here uh, is uh, do you help with risk and liability, helping people manage risk and liability and safety issues as well? And there was also um, tips in 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 the um uh, we yeah uh, absolutely we gave people ideas and tips about how to um uh, tackle that um plus i have to say there was a um, sort of local secure um insurance available for every group that started wow um, that so, that's game changing yeah. i think yeah. from our perspective yeah and this is something they all had to do themselves so there was i mean it does involve some um some organization by the groups, but because people were actually guided uh, through the whole press process uh, through this uh, brochure or, or guide, whatever you want to call it, um, it was easier for people to actually start and um, uh, and set it up because they, there were questions already answered in this in this guide. And um, I, I really liked something about your approach um, when we met recently that you mentioned that community repair is one element of all of this, but you have a vision for how this should spark more of a, in, in general, repair muscle back in society in the commercial side of repair. Yeah, I think um, what we experience in throughout these years is that um, repair is not only um very something that um um you know contains it's it's not only repair cafes um there's there are a lot of uh professional repairs out there in in the world uh that might not um have we don't maybe we don't know them that well people are not aware that um that there's a possibility to have uh, your item fixed um in a fairly easy way you don't have to throw it away in that sense um but there is there are other ways and um at the same time there is on the political level there are obviously discussions on um uh, what's what are the taxes on on repairing stuff 
Um, currently in Belgium, there's six percent for clothes, uh, clothes shoes, and um, bicycles. Wow, only six percent VAT. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and, which, which is quite interesting in the context of the mm-hmm. recent uh, uh, interest in Swedish yes. approach going from twenty. Uh, three to twelve percent, yeah. which is yeah. still twice as much as you have in Belgium. Yeah. yeah, so there's there's already I think an approach from the political level that it should um, repair should be in that sense promoted. At the same time, you see that uh, maybe the manufacturers they don't always like to uh, show their information or or uh, give away how they have uh, made their items. What we believe in is that um, the the fixers maybe, or what we hope or want to to know is, do the fixers need a voice within this whole debate on where should we go when it comes to repair? Where should we go when it comes to um, um, talking with the politicians about um, you, how to how people how stuff should be made? Inst- and and um, you know when we're talking about planned obsolescence, I mean. This is something that people, some people are very much aware of, and I think, in particular, fixers they have a lot of knowledge, and um, and in that sense, we would like to see if we can enclose that knowledge and and together with the fixers, um, uh, get more pressure on on the uh, policy level. We we experience similarly that when the media gets an interest in waves um, on planned or perceived obsolescence. It always goes to very angry consumers, uh, but we rarely hear the voice of um, commercial repairers that might be on the verge of being put out of business. And so we need to articulate that message a bit better. And in terms of the policy um, scenario in in Belgium, um, recently, if I understand correctly, there's been an interesting event, like a political repair cafe Mm -hmm. happened in Ghent. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, last, the 28th of October, there, uh, together with a, a, f- a few organizations here in, in Flanders, we organized this, uh, as you rightly say, a political repair cafe where we um, we invited five different politicians uh, from five different um, parties to join us in a actual practical repair cafe where the politicians were asked to... Um, uh, Look at an item that was broken and and actually try to repair it or uh, actually um, dismantle it because that's sometimes also um, a very difficult uh, task. Uh, at the same time, they were asked questions about um, what do you think about um, lowering the taxes on on small electronics, uh, repairing small electronics over the six percent. I mean, there was a, a an interesting discussion at the same time going on um, and. Um, uh, the setup was uh, very interesting. The practical uh, implication of uh, getting the the politicians to actually repair was uh, uh, gave it a very nice touch. Excellent. Well, that's really great to have established contact with you, and uh, we look forward to share more of our plans and hear more about the development of the network uh, there. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Ugo. Thank you. You're listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 
101.4 FM. Janet, so this was a very interesting week. It's interesting to hear about a politique repair cafe in uh, Belgium, and it leads us naturally to an event that we ran exactly a week ago yeah. in Westminster. Yeah, we actually came, we literally came running from that event, and I think... Uh, Paul, our producer, was surprised that we made it. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so that event was great. We we had we also had five MPs turn up um, from different parties, um, and it was it was really. We always like to say we we don't really like to talk. We like to fix and then talk. So it was really great to sit down with MPs and start disassembling things and. Um, precisely came to some of the conclusion, same conclusions that Eva did, that it's really important to get decision makers hands-on and experiencing the problems that we experience when we try to disassemble things and figure out what's wrong. And in fact, with my own MP, um, uh, Helen Hayes of Dulwich and West Norwood, um, we sat down and it, I think it took us well over half an hour to open her hand blender. And it turns out that there was actually quite... Um, in a sense, a straightforward trick to opening it, but that we wouldn't have found that anywhere online. There was no, there's no source, there's no way that we would have found um, where the catch was, how to, how to open the molded plastic. Um, and so it was a really great learning opportunity just, and to see MPs finally thinking of these things as policy issues, asking us questions. So, okay, so what could help us in this situation? And I suppose looking back, um, of the five people that attended, I, I don't think very many knew about precisely what is going on in Brussels in terms of how our things are made. And it seems as though there's a real opportunity to uh, to get to get UK Parliament on board, understanding what some of the good work that's happened in Brussels is, what some of the work that's going to be potentially suspended or placed on pause in Brussels is. Um, so yeah, it's just really important time I think to bring bring all this to the fore um and to keep it on the public keep it in the public eye but also on this putting it to decision makers that they have a role. It, you know that, that it's not a throw I like to say it's not like a throwaway society per se. It's actually a throwaway economy that that you know an economy can be regulated it can be it, it doesn't have to be completely unfettered and um you know, there's a role for them. Absolutely. And uh, from from the questions that Helen Hayes was asking us, you know, what, what are the policy changes we would like to see happen? And it's an open conversation. And on the one hand, it's not even about the percentage of VAT. It's about really making sure that if you put a product in the market, that there is a simple explanation on how it can be opened so that people can repair it even when the manufacturer no longer supports it. And that information is a simple thing that can be made compulsory going forward. It's not the end of the world for anyone, and it doesn't really undermine manufacturers. Well, and um, most MPs were unaware that... Uh Manufacturers are, in, in fact, obliged to provide documentation for disassembly to electronics recyclers. So the documentation for disassembly does exist, um, just that fixers and uh, people like us don't have access to it. Yeah, it's kept under strict IP deals so that it's not made public, and it could well be. And our friends at iFixit are involved in a European project to try to work with some manufacturers so that 
that information becomes more readily available. But it's going to take a lot of time and more than just working with manufacturers, but seeing how real people actually do care about this. I, I particularly agree with your point that we're not a throwaway society, but we are made to behave in a certain way because of lack of sufficient information to make it easier enough to, to act on our products. And this becomes even more relevant in the context of the parallel uh, set of uh, events and uh, news that came out of the EU uh, just last week. Right while we were holding our events in Parliament, the um, European Commission announced during an event with the European uh, Consumer Association organization, BEUC, um, their step forward for eco-design of products, uh, which includes taking some product categories out of uh, the group of products that the EU directly regulate on, namely toasters and uh, hair dryers, while yeah. keeping kettles and hand dryers, which sounds like a, a little bit confusing. It's like, and from what I understand, this is kind of the Brexit contagion or the kind of Daily Mail contagion. What, why toasters, Hugo? So toasters, uh, well, there's been a lot of uh, bad publicity for toasters back in a few months ago, just before the referendum in the UK, where um, some politicians were uh, actually trying to claim that the toasters being regulated by the EU has meant that uh, the toasters are no longer powerful enough to actually make a proper toast. They want to take back control of their toast. Except it turned out that actually no such regulation exists to this date. So it was one of these cases of the post-truth uh, society where anyone can say whatever they want, and particularly in regards to the EU, and uh, no one will be able to rebut this and delete the previous claim. So uh, specifically, um, there was a, a UKIP uh, politician that had stated that after putting the piece of bread in the toaster, the toaster would not, quote, be even brown. It takes about four goes until it looks even vaguely brown, never mind toasted. It's just a pale brown. I hardly ever get it the way I want it. I want to get power back to Westminster and Holyrood, then we can get some proper toasters. So there was never any regulation about toasters. Okay, so that was something that they were discussing, basically. And um, in terms of the regulations that they have been discussing, as uh, this is a part of, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, the circular economy package, which has been long in discussion so, as well yes, in Europe? Yes. Mostly, yes. So this is eco-design, which uh, is one part of the circular economy uh, package. So eco-design, historically, the eco-design directive, directive from 2009 has been mostly dealing with energy efficiency. Like heating and product. cooling equipment. Yeah, yeah. but also um, general products that people use, as well as more recently also products such as windows, uh, trying to reduce chances that products okay. that um, can be more energy efficient or not. And this part of the circular economy is not the part that you and I are most excited about because we try to think about the bigger picture of how much carbon is embodied in, in the products that we make. But it is important that some products become more energy efficient. There is a big argument in between different 
groups and whether the EU should or shouldn't regulate on uh, such uh, products as opposed to more industrial products. But actually, um, there seems to be more uh, consensus over trying to reduce energy consumption for all products and aim for products that are more repairable and longer lasting in general. Okay, but that part of it, the repairable and longer lasting part, is the new part, correct? That's the part that has been proposed by the circular economy package. And that's the new direction that the EC was proposing to take. Yes, but absolutely. However, the... Uh, announcement that was made last week, which is, by the way, just the guidelines. It's not even the full package that's going to be revealed later on this year. It just shows what type of products they will be concentrated on uh, for for the foreseeable future. Um, And in 2016, there had not been any uh, regulation on any product category as of yet, which showed that the... Okay, so what are the specifics? So they've they've thrown out the toasters. And they're putting in uh, hand dryers uh, and uh, kettles, but they're not considering, and this was partly the the, the focus Mm -hmm. of the event that I attended, organized by the Green Alliance in Brussels, uh, they've not considered everyday products such as smartphones or uh, washing machines that should definitely be there uh, because they tend to break all of the time and um, they could be reused more efficiently if designed in a way that repairability becomes doable. So one of the examples that uh, the Green Alliance report that was just released last week Uh, makes clear is that one out of six of all washing machines breaks within the first five years of use. Well, um, we've got a podcast in 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 the editing uh, process right now, which will which will follow an, a washing uh, an appliance repair a repairman at work, and you'll have some stories there. Yeah, and then there's other issues such as um, the how easily screens of certain smartphones tend to break, whether some of the technologies actually in, that already exist uh, limit uh, much more um, safely the number of phones that breaks if you drop them from a certain height. And the technology is already there, but the question which no one in the room, including uh, members of the European Parliament, uh, manufacturers and uh, policymakers uh, uh, were able to answer in Brussels was, so how do we put this as the top of the agenda. If the technology is already there, so why is it that we're not moving towards well, full use? You seem to say that they went into the areas where they seemingly will encounter less resistance in the form of massive lobby. And apparently, well, not not so hard to imagine, uh, smartphone manufacturers are the big elephant in the room. And uh, so that didn't seem from what I understood any real momentum for trying to approach yeah. that type although, of product. Although that said, the EC has taken some pretty big steps to counter Apple and other areas. And uh, Samsung's definitely on the back foot at the moment. Yeah, so it looks like it's, on the one hand, the EC has a, a good tradition in actually helping some change in these phone area, if you look at the charger and uh, the whole conversation around uh, roaming charges. So that topic is very much on the agenda. It's literally in everyone's pocket as well. Every EC citizen, every EU citizen has one in their pocket. Exactly. Mm. But the the connection between 
the potential for better eco-rating, which is a voluntary scheme, better design for repairability and more energy efficiency, it still seems not to be fully hmm. homogenous and under the same uh, flag, yeah. so well, to say. Funny, because that's probably one of the great critiques, right, of Brussels in the end, is that it's such a confusing place. There's so many people doing so many different things. Um, and there's so much potential there is, what, is our point. I yeah, guess. and... Uh, it's actually well within achievement uh, if only we make it relevant and tangible for people. And th these very products that Greenland Alliance pointed uh, to in their reports is, are actually very tangible and most people would agree that we need to tackle them. So I think we're getting towards the end of Yeah, we of didn't even get show. to talk about electronic waste, which is another area that the EC is very, has been very active. Let's save it for another episode. Yes, also <laughs> in any further consideration of what will happen to the UK in regards to the post-Brexit scenario with these products and their design. So we thank you for listening to today's show. We have two restart parties coming up this week. In fact, actually, we have three. Um, tomorrow in Romford at the Baptist Church from 6 to 9 p.m. And on Saturday, there's two events, one in Homerton and one in Merton, in fact, in Pollard's Hill. Thank you for listening. Uh, more on therestartproject.org and on social media at Restart Project. Thanks. Thank you.